they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. This is February 3rd. It is the first Friday of February. Every first Friday is dedicated to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. We love Jesus, and uh, we want to accept all his love for us, and we honor his most sacred heart. And um, so we pray on first Fridays in particular in reparation for um, the sins committed against his most sacred heart. So we don't want to ignore God. God is good. So we'll begin uh, with the Angelus. It's noon in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Three times a day we recall that God became man and dwelt among us. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Now and at the hour of our death, amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we ask the angels to join us here and to give us light. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus, Deus Sabaot, Pleni Suncelia Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in Excelsis. Benedictus, qui venit in nomine. Domini, Hosanna, in excelsis. All right, so we want to look at Hebrews 11 now. We've been talking about the book of Hebrews for the last couple of weeks because that's the reading that's being used as the first reading in the daily mass at this particular time. Hebrews 11, and this is the, um, I'm using the Ignatius Study Bible, so this is the, that, the translation now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the men of old received divine approval. By faith, we understand that the world was created by the word of God, so that it is seen, so that, excuse me, what is seen, that what is seen was made out of things which did not appear. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he received approval as righteousness, God bearing witness by the accepting of his gifts. 
he died, but through his faith he is still speaking. By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was found he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was attested as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For what whoever will draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, took heed and constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness, which comes by faith. And um, the author of Hebrews goes on to talk about faith, the faith of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the faith of Moses and the faith of other heroes in Israel's history. And so we want to talk about this chapter. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's interesting that in the book of Hebrews, um, faith in this translation, it says faith is the assurance of things hoped for. But it's interesting because the Greek word can be translated, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what is the correct translation and what is it getting at? Are we just... Um, assured by faith or is there something more that we have by faith and so I looked up the commentary I looked at Thomas Aquinas's commentary and I asked some other you know people who've studied scripture and studied the Greek which one is it well actually the that faith is the substance of things hoped for is how Thomas Aquinas translates it and he says that you know, well, what is it that we're hoping for? We're hoping for happiness, but what is true happiness for man? What can truly bring man happiness? Well, since man was created by God for union with God, the only thing that can bring us true happiness is to be possessed by God and to possess God totally. So what does faith give us? Faith gives us not just the assurance of that hope, but faith gives us, and, and Thomas Aquinas talks about this in his commentary, and you can look up St. Thomas Aquinas' commentary on Hebrews 11. And he's saying there that faith is defined by hope, even though, you know, hope should be defined by faith. But because we hope for happiness, we gain that happiness through faith. But in a very real sense, by faith, we already possess God and he possesses us. Now, we don't possess the full vision of God. And, and Thomas makes this distinction. We don't have that full possession of God where we see him face to face as in eternity. But we're all called to what's called the mystical marriage, which is a transforming union whereby we are united to God and God possesses us in such a fashion that we belong totally to him and he belongs totally to us. Paul talks about this in one of his letters where he says, I live now, not I, but Jesus Christ lives in me. I still live my human life, but it is a life of faith in the son of God. And so when we get to heaven, we're not going to need faith and hope. Why? 
because the object of faith is is God, God himself, and the object of hope is happiness. It's that eternal happiness that we're striving for, that we look for. Unfortunately, sometimes in created things, we get distracted by created things and we're going to think we're going to find our happiness in created things. But the only possibility of absolute true human happiness is to give ourselves to God and allow God to totally possess us and be possessed by God. So Paul tells us in Corinthians that in the end, there are three things that last, faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is charity. And why is that? Because in heaven, we will see God face to face. We will be totally possessed by God and we will be totally, and he will be our possession. He belongs to us completely. Not that we become God, but that God gives himself to us as a gift. He shares with us his inner personal life. That begins already here on earth through our participation in the sacraments, in the faith of the church, that by faith, we already possess God mystically. Just as the angels before their test had mystical knowledge of God, they knew that God was their creator. They knew that they were created to choose God. They knew that their only happiness would be in choosing God. And then they were given a test. Will you serve me according to my plan or not? And Lucifer, who was the light bearer, and his followers said, I will not serve. Lucifer said, I will not serve. And there were about a third of the angels, as far as we can tell from scriptures in, in, the, book of Revela- in the book of Revelation, it says, the dragon's tail swept a third of the stars from the sky. The stars represent the angels. About a third of the angels fell with Lucifer. They said, I will not serve. And Michael responds. Michael, who's from the second lowest choir. Lucifer's the highest angel. Michael's from the second lowest choir. And he said, who is like God? Which is what his name means. How dare you defy God? God is our only hope of true happiness. He's why we were made. We were made to serve him. If we don't serve him, we will never know any happiness. And Michael leads the battle against Lucifer and his angels. And Lucifer and his angels are cast out and they're not, their place in heaven was lost. They will not, they will not have a place in heaven ever. They will never have a place in heaven. They're lost forever. And God created for them hell, the eternal fire which that's clear in the Gospels. Jesus talks about that. So by faith, we already possess God and God possesses us. And God is trying to draw us into that union with himself. But that union with himself is a personal love relationship. Love is the greatest of the gifts. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So we want to love But by faith, we already possess God here, even here on this earth, we have a possession of him. And in the sacraments, that's really made true through grace. We believe the seven sacraments of the Catholic Church were established by Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church was established by Jesus Christ. He only established one church. All the other ecclesial communions or whatever you want to call them or denominations were founded by men and had rebelled against the church that Christ had established. Now, granted, you know, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of scandal. There's a lot of, but again, we don't, we don't want to leave. <laughs> I'm being warned. The break is coming up. Oh, no. Oh, no. Too fast. Wait a minute. <laughs> no, this is great stuff. We want to understand our faith, and we want to live our faith fully. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, February the 3rd. Don't go away. Please tell all your friends and family to join us on this Catholic Bible study. 
hear it. We'll be right back with more. Don't go away. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. Again, I want to thank all of our listeners, all the radio stations that pick us up, um, stations that cross radio. I'm not sure if they still pick up this signal for Bible with the Barbers, but they used to. And I want to thank them for that. So we're talking about faith, and we're talking about the fact that faith, in, in, the, in the translation, it says assurance of things hoped for. But there's another translation of the Greek, and that can be, it is the substance of things hoped for. Meaning that by faith, we actually possess in some sense what we hope for. Now, again, the hope that we have is what we, we, we're hoping. We're hoping for the heavenly Jerusalem. We're hoping for union with God. We're, we're looking up ahead for something better. You know, read the whole letter to the Hebrews and it talks so much about our ancestors and it talks about this, this constant striving, this constant moving forward. We're on a journey. And of course, it's written to the Hebrews. So there's so many Jewish references in this letter. It's so different than anything else that was written by Paul. And again, I know there's controversy about who wrote the letter. What's interesting is the doctrine in the book of Hebrews is very much what Paul preached. Um, the, the Greek apparently is much more eloquent than the Greek Paul wrote in. That when Paul has his own letters, the other letters of Paul where Paul actually says, this is you know, from Paul the apostle called by Jesus Christ and then signs it. You know, this is, I wrote this letter in my own hand and other things. But in this letter, he doesn't do that. But he's writing to the Hebrews and, and the Greek in it is very, very eloquent. So the question is, well, you know, remember, Paul had a secretary. That secretary was Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, um, as, and that's the Gospel as it was preached by Paul. So much of the doctrine of Paul is incorporated into this, which is not the doctrine of Paul. It's the doctrine that Jesus Christ revealed to his church. You know, this, this idea that, oh, you know, it's like, it's like we go back to Corinthians and Paul is saying, well, some are saying I belong to Cephas and I belong to Apollos and I belong to Paul, and others are saying I belong to Jesus Christ. And wait a minute, wait, wait a minute, who died for you? Jesus Christ died for you. We all belong to Jesus Christ, you know. Did I die for you? No. Did, did Cephas die for you? No. Did Apollos? No. And yet those apostles would sacrifice their life. They would die martyrs as witnesses to Jesus Christ. Jesus is our, is our you know, that's the, the, the focus of our faith, hope, and charity because he really is the Son of God made man. So we have this faith, and this faith actually allows us to be possessed by God and to possess God. And as I was saying before the break, the Catholic Church, which was founded by Jesus Christ, has seven sacraments that were founded by Jesus Christ. They're instruments of grace. We believe that in baptism, baptism really changes us. That when we are baptized and the priest, you know, Jesus told his apostles, go out and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And in the early church, you were baptized by immersion or by sprinkling or by pouring of water. So, you know, if you had a huge crowd and you couldn't baptize them all, you by by pouring water over every individual head, you sprinkled them. I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Which by the way, that's a sacrament that anyone who believes can can administer. And anyone who wants to, you know, you could walk up to a person who's dying and say, "Would you like to be baptized?" And you can baptize them if you have water, clean water. You just baptize them. You pour water over their head three times saying, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that, that 
baptism, it's an outward sign of an inward grace. The water represents a washing, right? Just like we, when, we, when we have to take a bath, when we get dirty, we have to wash in water. Our souls have to be washed clean of sin. And when we're baptized, our souls are washed clean of all sin. If we're baptized as infants, we're washed clean of original sin. If we're baptized as adults, our souls are washed clean of all sin, even personal sin that we've committed throughout life up to that point. So if someone's dying and you're not sure that they've ever been baptized, and even if they're, if they're unconscious, you can baptize them. You know, Lord, if this person wanted to be baptized, I want to do this for them. So I baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And they can receive grace from God. They will receive because God has made that promise. That pledge and promise come from God. It's not the church didn't establish the sacraments. Jesus Christ did. The seven sacraments, baptism, confirmation, Holy Eucharist, confession, um, marriage, priesthood, and anointing of the sick. And baptism, confirmation, and Holy Eucharist go together as the three sacraments of initiation that in baptism, you're brought into the church. In confirmation, you receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and become an adult Christian. No matter what age you're confirmed at, you're an adult Christian now. You're ready to be a witness for Christ. And yes, there have been martyrs for the faith and little children who have become saints. Little children at the ages of seven, eight, nine, ten. Yes. And not just a, few, just, not just a handful. I mean, it's quite a few and you would be surprised how many. And then um, you have... The Eucharist, which is the completion of initiation, where after we've received the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit receives us, prepares us to receive the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist. And so by faith, yes, we do possess Christ because Jesus Christ at the Last Supper said over the bread and the wine, he says over the bread, this is my body, which is given up for you. And over the chalice, he said, this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which is shed for you and for many for remission of sins. And then he says, do this in remembrance of me. And that's not just a remembering, that's a living memorial because Christ is the victim. This is the new sacrifice. This is the sacrifice that replaces all the sacrifices of the Old Testament because by the shedding of his blood, Christ shed his blood once for all, to win for God all of those who would be saved, okay? He sheds his blood to wash away sin. There's no washing away of sin without the shedding of blood. But the blood of bulls and goats, old law, that was we discussed that already in, in talking about Hebrews, could not wash away the sins. But only God himself could do this. And he did this by becoming man, the incarnation. This is why we pray the Angelus three times a day to remember that God really did become man. He poured out his blood for us. And by the pouring out of his blood, he washes away sin. Now that's past, present and future. So he washes away all of our past sins. But if, if we continue to sin, he established the sacrament of confession. John 20 on the night of the resurrection. He appears to his apostles locked up in the upper room. They're afraid that the Jews are going to come and take them all out and kill them. And they're afraid to go out. And he comes and he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you shall forgive, they are forgiven them. Whose sins you shall retain, they are retained. Well, how can you retain a sin? The priest in confession has to determine, is the person sorry? It doesn't matter what sin you've committed. God can forgive anything. God forgive anything. Just say, I'm sorry, Lord. I am so sorry. 
My sins caused you to suffer. They caused you to die on the cross for me as if I were the only one who needed saving. And I'm sorry. And Lord, I want to accept your love for me. Please come in and fill my heart with your love and give me the faith and the hope that I need so that my heart will be fixed there where true joys are, there in heaven, on the heavenly Jerusalem, the new and eternal Jerusalem, where Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father, the victim who immolated himself, who is no longer dying, but offers for all eternity his act of immolated love. Read Revelation 5. The lamb who was slain still bears his scar. The lamb who is the lion of the tribe of Judah is standing before his father, offering himself as a victim of sacrifice. He still bears his scars in heaven. Yes, he still bears his. They're glorified, but he still bears them. He's no longer dying, but he still bears his scars. And we on earth want to remember that. So he established the sacraments as means of grace. Marriage is a sacrament. The sacrament whereby a man and a woman are joined together for life in a bond of love, in a communion of love and life which mirrors the inner life of the Holy Trinity. Again, by faith, we possess what we hope for. We possess in a certain way in family life properly lived out. We possess that inner life of the Trinity and we live it out in our marriage by serving one another and loving one another. The priesthood established every priest acts in every ordained minister, every ordained priest and deacon acts in persona Christi Capita, in the person of Christ who is the head. There's only one high priest, Jesus Christ. That's clear in the book of Hebrews, isn't it? One high priest, Jesus Christ. And so he carries on this sacramental life in his church. And then we have the sacrament of the anointing. And that's in the book of James. James talks about that. And of course, in in the gospels, whenever anybody was sick, they brought him to Jesus. He prayed over them. Many times they were healed. But you know, he didn't heal everybody who was sick in, in all of Galilee and Judea. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't raise every person who died in Galilee and Judea. He didn't heal every leper in Galilee and Judea, but he healed many. And, and the, those that perhaps that he didn't heal physically, he healed spiritually so that they could know that he didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. And that by suffering, we also possess Christ. That in our sufferings, we can offer in union with Jesus all of our sufferings. Paul says that. I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Yes, he uses those words. What is lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. Wait a minute. Paul, and this is not Paul, this is the Holy Spirit inspiring the Apostle Paul to write these words, what's lacking in the suffering of Christ? Each of us has to choose, just like each of the angels had to choose, will I serve the Lord my God, who I know to be my creator, and I know to be my only true happiness, and I know to be the only source of good and truth and beauty? Will I serve him, humble myself, Or will I be pride and insist I will not serve? I will do it my way. Okay, we want to humble ourselves before the Lord, accept his love. And by faith, we want to possess God and be possessed by God. 
Here on earth, we don't see God face to face. But there is, and this is what's lacking often in our day and age. This is why so many people are seeking mysticism in the wrong places. They're turning to Eastern mysticism. They're turning, unfortunately, many times to the diabolic to find a source of mysticism. True mysticism is living in union with God moment by moment, day by day. It doesn't mean having visions. It doesn't mean having power over other people. It doesn't mean working miracles. It doesn't mean seeing our prayers answered in the way we want them to answer. It means living in union with God moment by moment, day by day. This is what Abraham did. This is what Noah did. We don't have any recorded miracles of Noah, but we know that Noah built the ark and God saved Noah and his sons and his Noah's wife and Noah's son's wives. We know that those eight people were saved on the ark with the animals when the floods came. We know that Abraham by faith sojourned in a foreign land and he traveled all over <laughs> looking for the place that God had promised him. And so many other, the heroes of the faith who are sung here in, in the book of Hebrews. Don't go away. We'll be back. I want to thank all our supporters. I really want to thank those who pray and offer their sufferings for our, our mission here, um, our apostolate, the Virgin Most Powerful Radio, please have your family and friends join us. Share this with all your family and friends. I'll be right back with you. Bye. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, February the 3rd, the Feast of St. Blaise. And first Friday of the month of February, um, remember to say prayers to Jesus' most sacred heart, to thank him for all that his heart has suffered. His heart was pierced on the cross and blood and water flowed out. Blood and water, which the church, this is the, sac the source of the sacramental life of the church. The sacraments come from Jesus Christ. It is he who established them. He gives us grace through these sacraments. Um, so we have, um, in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph one, well, number 150, actually, number 150, it's in the first section. Faith is first of all, a personal adherence of man to God. At the same time, and indispensably, it is a free assent to the whole truth that God revealed. We assent by faith to everything that God revealed. You remember the act of faith when you were, you were taught when you were children? Oh my God, I firmly believe that thou art one God in three divine persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I believe that thy divine Son became man and died on the cross for our sins, and that he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truths which the Holy Catholic Church teaches, because thou hast revealed them who can neither deceive nor be deceived. Amen. So we renew that every day. Say the act of faith. Renew it. Renew it many times a day. So we adhere to God and we accept all that he has revealed. As a personal adherence to God and assent to his truth, Christian faith differs from our faith in any human person or any other created person, angelic. It is right and just to entrust oneself wholly to God and to believe absolutely what he says. God cannot deceive 
and he cannot be deceived. Don't be afraid to confess your sins to God or to a priest in confession. God already knows them, and he's more than willing to forgive you. And as soon as he forgives you, they are forgotten. He forgets them. We don't forget, but he does. (laughs) It would be futile and false to place such faith in any creature, human or angelic. We don't place our faith in any creature. By the way, Catholics do not worship the Blessed Virgin Mary. We don't place our faith in her. We acknowledge what God has done in and through her. We acknowledge the graces that God has accomplished in her. And it says that in the Old Testament, just about our ancestors in faith. We praise these godly men, our ancestors, and we tell their names in the assembly and we honor their faith. We honor the faith of the Blessed Virgin Mary. We honor her perfect adherence to the will of God and to his grace. And we beg that she pray for us, just like we ask each other to pray for us. So by this faith, we already possess God. Mystical, it's a mystical union. We don't see him face to face. In heaven, we will see him face to face. And then is love brought to perfection. And in the end, the greatest is love, right? There are three things that last, faith, hope, and charity. But the greatest of these is love. So we want to adhere to God by faith. And by that faith, we already do possess him. And the author of Hebrews, and I believe it's Paul, and yes, maybe his secretary, uh, Luke wrote it, and Monsignor just suggested that maybe Barnabas wrote it. Barnabas spent time with Paul and listened to how Paul preached. Maybe he wrote this on behalf of Paul to the Hebrews. But it's definitely addressed to the Hebrews, so it would definitely be a different kind of letter than the letter he addressed to the Gentile Christians. So he goes on to sing of the the faith of the fathers, the faith of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is rich in witnesses to this faith. The letter of Hebrews proclaims its eulogy of the exemplary faith of the ancestors who received divine approval. Yet God had not foreseen some yet God had foreseen something better for us, the grace of believing in his son Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Okay? Jesus is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. It is he in whom we place our faith, hope, and trust. Okay? We don't worship creatures. We worship God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we acknowledge that he is a trinity. And we want to adhere to the faith of the fathers. The Old Testament fathers looked for the Messiah, The New Testament, the Messiah has come. So we possess the Messiah in a way the Old Testament fathers didn't. And yet, Jesus Christ came to save the Old Testament fathers also. And that's why when he died once for all, it's not just a death for the future. It's not just a going forward. He dies and his death stretches from end to end, from the beginning of time to the end of time. He is there to free us from all sin. Okay? And so... That's why he established the sacrament of confession. So we still have to live in this world. We still have to um, make choices between things that we perceive with our senses and think are good for us and the reality of things we can't see with our senses that are truly good for us. Okay, so we get confused and we make false choices sometimes and we choose to worship the creature rather than the creator. Paul talks about that in one of his letters. So we want to choose God always, only, and everywhere. Put him first. But remember this. When we serve our family, we're serving God. Because what did Jesus say about the last judgment? 
I was hungry, and you gave me to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was sick or in prison, and you visited me. Lord, when did we do these things for you? Whenever you did them for the least of my brothers, you did them for me. And of course, on his way to Damascus, Paul's knocked down on the ground by Jesus, blinded by the light, literally blinded by the light. And Jesus reveals this doctrine to him. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, sir? I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Wait a minute, Jesus who I'm persecuting? I'm persecuting the, the Christians, the, the people who can say that they're living a new way, that the, that the Messiah has come and they're following the Messiah. What was that? I, I'm keeping to the old law. And so Paul is three days blind and he's fasting and he's praying and God is revealing to him. And by the way, yes, he spends time in Damascus after that, a couple of years. But after that, he goes off to the desert of Arabia. And tradition says he was there for three years. And Paul says that he was schooled in the gospel, not by any man. He didn't learn the gospel from the apostles. According to Paul's writing, he learned the gospel from Jesus. It was revealed to him because he was to be the apostle to the Gentiles. And he was also to suffer a great deal. Remember Ananias objects to going to Paul? But Lord, do you know who this man is? I know who he is, Lord. As if Jesus doesn't know, right? It's okay, Ananias. I chose him. He's my chosen instrument. And I've already revealed to him how much he must suffer. Whoa. And Paul embraces all of that. Paul had prepared himself by serving the Lord to the best of his ability and striving hard never to say no to the Lord, even under the old covenant, so that when the new covenant is revealed to him, he embraces it totally and he suffers. He suffers. And so Jesus didn't come to eradicate our suffering. Just as the fathers of old had to suffer, they had to be faithful. Noah had to build that ark. You know, Enoch was faithful. Abraham had to leave his homeland and sojourn in a land he knew not. Um, Abraham's sons, Isaac, Jacob, they had to, you know, his grandsons, Moses, all of these sufferings. And yet all of these sufferings become redemptive when united to the sufferings of Christ. I live now, not I, but Christ lives in me. I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking, lacking in the sufferings of Christ for the sake of his body, the church. So all of our sufferings are redempted when they're offered to Christ. By faith, we possess Christ and he possesses us. And then he transforms us from grace into grace and glory into glory into a living image of himself. We aren't dunghills covered with snow. Baptism really affects a change in us. He wipes away sin. Now, that doesn't mean he takes away our ability to sin. We still have concupiscence. We still have to struggle against sin. But remember, Paul says in Hebrews 2, you have not yet resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. So keep resisting. Resist sin, even if it means you have to die, rather than give up your faith. So we pray for that grace of final perseverance. And who is the exemplar of our faith? Who is the one that we are looking toward? Well, what does it say in chapter 12 of Hebrews? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, all those people that he talked about from the Old Testament, 
Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus is the perfecter of our faith. He is the one that we look to. He is the one. He's the exemplar. And yet we sing the praises of those who, by their faith, show us the way. The scripture says to, I will praise these godly men, my ancestors. And in the assembly, I will tell their name. In the book of Sirach. And Paul himself, he says, Imitate me insofar as I imitate Christ. And again, we're looking to Christ and we acknowledge that he, ha- he gives us the power to overcome sin in our life. That doesn't mean it's going to happen all at once. We have to struggle against sin. Have we resisted sin to the point of shedding our blood? Many martyrs have resisted sin to the point of shedding their blood. Even people who don't outwardly belong to the Catholic Church. And St. Augustine once wrote, there are many who appear to be one with us who are not. And there are many who don't appear to be one with us who are. Remember in the gospel at John 6, when some of the apostles leave Jesus because he tells them they have to eat his flesh and drink his blood in order to have life in them. And they say, disciples leave because they say, this is a hard saying. How can anybody endure it? And many of them leave. And there's the break again. I don't know. I must be having too much fun. This is going so fast. I hope you've invited all your family and friends and acquaintances and church members to listen to Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Thank you for your support. Thank you for your prayers. And thank you, all your radio stations, for picking us up and for all of the social media platforms we're on. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio on this Friday, first Friday of the month of February 2023. Please share this with all your family and friends. Uh, You can listen on Rumble. You can listen on our own app. You can go to the app store on your iPhone and and get the app. You can listen on our own website, virginmostpowerfulradio.org. You can listen on Facebook. Um, There was another, I think there's another social platform we're on. I'm forgetting it right now. But also some of the radio stations, the small Catholic radio stations, pick up some of our shows. So thank you for all of those who do. Thank you for all of our listeners. Thank you for all of those who donate to us. Um, If you write in questions... To Virgin Most Powerful Radio, um, either on the app or on um, the platform that comes on the computer. I do try and get to all those questions and answer them. Sometimes I get behind a little bit. <laughs> so just if, if you had a question and it didn't get answered, or you think it didn't get answered, uh, you can send a follow-up question. You can you know pers- pursue that. So we're talking about Hebrews 11 and 12, and we're talking about faith, and faith is that possession that is 
faith is the, the substance of things hoped for. And we hope for heaven. We hope for happiness. We hope for union with God for all eternity. And by faith, we already begin that union with God here on earth. It can be lost through sin. And that's very clear in the scriptures. It's not once saved, always saved. That's, there's nowhere in scripture that that's, that's taught. We have to strive to live a holy life, a life of union with God. We have to strive against sin. And St. Paul tells us in Hebrews, he said, we have, you have not yet resisted sin to the point of shedding your blood. So keep resisting, keep persevering. And we look to Jesus. In the beginning of uh, Hebrews 12, it says, we look to Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And, and for the joy that lay before him, he endures the cross because he knows he's going to rise from the dead. He knows that by his cross, he is going to redeem mankind and that all of those who will accept this redemption will go to heaven. And so, um, and now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we look to Jesus and consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted in your struggle against sin. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation addressed to you as sons? And this is, this is from, by the way, a, a citation from Proverbs. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor lose courage when you are punished by him. For the Lord disciplines him whom he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. What father is there who doesn't discipline his son? If he loves his son, he will discipline him. You know, because we need to learn the true way. Because of original sin, we tend towards sin. We tend to turn away from God, and we have to learn the discipline of turning back to God and asking God day by day, moment by moment, actually, moment by moment each day, to keep us in his grace. Lord, if I'm not in the state of grace, put me in the state of grace. And if I'm in the state of grace, keep me in the state of grace. Please grant me the grace of final perseverance. So we want to persevere in faith, hope, and charity. And by that faith, we already possess God. We are called to this union with God that begins here on earth. But as long as we're on this earth, we're still in shadows. We could lose the gift. So we ask every day for the grace not to lose the gift, Okay. And we want to believe in Jesus. Remember, Jesus is the son of God. That's what the scripture clearly teaches. It's what Jesus himself clearly claimed. It's why he was put to death. It's what the Jews of his time clearly understood him to say. And in, in paragraph 150, no, well, number 151 of the catechism, it says, for a Christian believing in God cannot be separated from believing in the one whom he has sent, his beloved son, Jesus Christ in whom the Father is well pleased. God tells us to listen to him. Those are all scripture quotes, right? The Lord himself said to his disciples, believe in God, believe also in me. Jesus said that in John 14, 1. We can believe in Jesus Christ because he is himself God, the word made flesh. Remember, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And through him, all things were made. And apart from him, nothing came to be that came to be the prologue to the gospel of John. No one has ever seen God. The only son who is in the bosom of the father has made him known. John 1.18. It's only the son of God who makes known the father. 
and the Father and the Son send their Holy Spirit. Because he has seen the Father, Jesus Christ is the only one who knows him and can reveal him. Again, John 6, 46, compare with Matthew eleven twenty seven. We can't know the Father if we don't know the Son and acknowledge him. So we look to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and we endure our sufferings not as Stoics. Oh, I just have to endure this. Jesus endured the cross with joy, not happiness necessarily, not human happiness, not the emotion of happiness. He was truly suffering. That wasn't play acting. You look at the cross over my shoulder. That's not play acting. That was real. He really suffered, but he offered all of his sufferings for us. And he endured that. And not just the cross. I mean, it's not just the three hours on the cross. He was scourged at the pillar. He was crowned with thorns. The night before in the Garden of Olives, he sweat blood. Before he went to the Garden of Olives, he said, my soul is sorrowful even to the point of death. His human soul was so weighed down with the sorrow of what was coming and that that even after all of his sufferings, people still had the freedom to reject him and and he wasn't going to take away their free will. And it's like, Father, Father, no, take this cup from me if it's possible. Frank Sheed talked about that. I, Frank Sheed once said, he said, you know, in the garden, when Jesus said, Father, let this cup pass me by, is he asking for the passion to be taken away? He said, well, I don't think so, because Jesus had already said, I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and how I am constrained until it is accomplished. I have come to set a fire upon the earth, and, and he wants to, and this is it. He wants to suffer his passion. He desires to suffer his passion in order to free men from sin. But as he approaches his passion, yes, he has to allow his human nature to express its horror at the sufferings that are coming. But at the same time, his human nature has to realize and accept that he can't coerce men into accepting this salvation. They have to freely choose it. And there are some who will reject him, even as Judas rejected him. And Jesus said, the son of perdition, it would have been better for him if he had never been born. And Peter said, Judas went to his own place. (laughs) The scriptures bear testimony to the fact that Judas despaired and in that despair, he, re- he rejected the, the, the mercy of God. So we want to beg God for the grace that we don't reject that mercy. He leaves us free. And in his suffering, Jesus had to see this. Men will be free to accept or, re- or reject everything that I've suffered for them. And I will not coerce them. I will Cling to the Father's plan, and the Father's plan is that men freely choose. Because why? Because in order to love, we have to be free. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So we have to freely choose him. So we can beg God. Now, as St. Therese of Lezu did, we can beg, well, Lord, please take away my freedom to, to offend you. I want to serve you. I want to free you. You know I'm weak. You know that I'm inclined to sin. You know I have concupiscence. 
Why did he establish the sacraments? Why does he give us confession? Why does he give us the Holy Eucharist? We can receive the Holy Eucharist and confession repeatedly, daily, if we need to. Um, and and it, we just, we have to trust him, trust him, trust him. We trust the Lord and it's in the Lord and we put our faith in Jesus Christ. But we believe the church that he established, and he only established one church, the Catholic Church. And through the mediation and merits of Jesus Christ and his church, all men who are saved are saved because Christ established his church. The, the church wasn't a made-up appendage that was added on. Jesus established his church, and it's not something that we can do away with. It was Jesus himself who established it. You know, for 1,500 years, there was only one church. Yes, there was a split in the Catholic Church, the East and West split. Unfortunately, the Eastern Schism, and, and they, were, they were schismatic, and yet in their split, they didn't reject the sacraments of the church, but, but they rejected the authority that Christ had established in the Holy Father. And, and that's, it's a hard thing that, this is just the reality. Christ established his church. He established it the way he established it. And again, are we going to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I will accept what you have revealed. I will believe what you revealed. And I will humble myself and be obedient to your church, the church you established. And we can't take pride. None of us can take pride. And as Augustine said, there are many who appear to be one with us who are not. And many who do not appear to be one with us who are. Many people believe in Jesus Christ, but they don't know the fullness of the faith that he revealed. They don't know his church. So we pray that maybe they will know that. And remember, Judas appeared to be one with the apostles until the very end, but he wasn't one. He closed his heart off to Jesus. He wanted to pursue money. That was his love. And because he got confused about what was the true good, and he gave himself over to the love of money, he allowed that to become an obstacle to his choosing Christ. So we want to examine ourselves, confess our sins, go to confession, go to confession, go to confession. And if you're not Catholic, ask the Lord if he's asking you to enter into the fullness of the faith by joining the church, the Roman Catholic church that he established. But most of all, pray. Pray the scriptures. Pray every day. Have a personal relationship with Jesus Come to him in prayer. Our faith is about a love relationship with him who loves us, who loves us so much that he died for us to free us from sin. He longs for union with us. And this is the essence of our faith, that we are called to live in union with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in a personal love relationship with God. And of course, there's nothing more personal than receiving Jesus Christ, the Son of God, in the Holy Eucharist. But if you're not Catholic, you can ask for the grace of the fullness of the faith. And if you are Catholic, go to confession and go to Holy Communion and visit Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament and go to Mass every Sunday and daily if you can. And remember to ask God for more faith, hope, and charity every single day and to grant you the grace of final perseverance. Like this and share it. Let your friends and family know. Thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We'll be back again next week, God willing. <laughs>